0: You know, my dad, you know, at that moment in time was sitting right next to me and he said, you can either look at the fact that you didn't get drafted or you can look at the 20 teams that are calling you right now. And that quickly shifted me and my mindset into a different perspective of, okay, now let's look at what's possible, what teams are calling.
1: What's up, listeners? I love... Today's podcast because I got a I got a guy that like if you don't do your homework, you're gonna just think, oh, he's a footballer. He's just transactional. This guy caught passes in the NFL and and that is so not Benny Fowler. Like Benny, I'm I'm so glad we got a mutual friend, Ken Law. He's the one that introduced us. He's like, you guys are gonna love each other. And of course, when we first talked, you're like, who's this guy? And I'm like, who's this guy? <laughs> But uh yeah, he was right on, man. He was spot on. I mean, okay, let's let's set this up properly though. You know, I mean you, you you did have like an amazing adventure. You know, you've caught passes in the NFL from and tell me if I'm getting this wrong. You caught Peyton Manning's last touchdown. Yep. You've caught passes from his from his brother Eli. I'm sure Eli loves that I'm describing <laughs> him that way. Uh, I think Drew, from Drew Brees as well, right? Yep i miss anybody
0: yeah daniel jones trevor simeon paxton lynch those are the guys that people don't necessarily know as well but i appreciate all my quarterbacks that i've caught and caught passes from kirk cousins in college so got some legendary people connor cook and andrew maxwell so tyler o'connor but those are all the quarterbacks. So I like to give everybody their due diligence.
1: As you should. You know, shame on me. Okay, so eight years in the NFL, NFL, right? Eight years Hmm. as a professional wide receiver. Um, I think I shared this with you before. I mean, what people don't know is life after the NFL. And you are a curious guy. And we talked about, this is not uh, an interview. This is a conversation today. Right, you can ask whatever questions you want. Fire them back at me. It's like a tennis match. I'll zip something back over to you. But let's start with uh, let's start with the reality that when I Google Benny Fowler and BennyFowler.com dot
0: com comes up, it isn't you. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a it's a it's a legendary guy who gave me life. One part of one part of the other half that gave me life, but it's yeah, it's my dad. You know, Benny Fowler, the CEO, executive, former vice president of Ford Motor Company, former COO of Jaguar and Land Rover, you know, just a legendary guy. But even before all those titles, he's dad. He's a husband. He's a dad of four. All his kids went and got scholarships to play in a sport in, in college. So he's an incredible man and really just led the way in terms of who I am as a person today.
1: Um, and then two siblings am I getting that right
0: I'm the oldest of four so I have my brother who is a basketball coach at Northern Arizona then I have my sister Taylor who plays basketball at the University and then my sister Madison Williams who plays volleyball at Florida Southern
1: okay and I would look this was one of those times where I wish we had video because you could see right. your your badass setup behind you. You got you got lots of helmets, but on the wall you've got Peyton Manning's jersey, and next to him you've got Draymond Green's jersey. How how are you and Draymond tight? Is it a is it a Michigan State thing? Is it a before that? How did you guys meet each other?
0: Nah, Draymond and I got uh, we we met. You know, we played on the same AAU travel basketball team, so we played for the family and met through a mutual friend that I went to high school with. And that's where we met. But I would say our relationship kind of where it you know started to pick up was at Michigan State. We both went to Michigan State. He's a year older than me. And then we became really good friends up there. And our relationship and friendship has actually gotten even better as those years have gone on. And he's just an incredible person, incredible leader, obviously an incredible basketball player. But yeah, that's where we that's where we met. Michigan State, it's 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 a family, Spartans will, baby.
1: All right. So Give me three words to describe your
0: relationship with Draymond. Wow. Fun, honest, adventurous. And why does that work for you? Why does it work for me? I need, if I'm getting along or if I'm going to have a friendship or a relationship with anybody, it's got to be fun. I I appreciate honesty and people who are very close to me. It's more of the honesty that they give me. And I think one of the best things about Draymond, even my brother, my brother being, you know, my best friend is that honesty is everything. My fiance, honesty, I need honest. I don't want people to always just pat me on the back. I do appreciate encouragement, but I also need honest feedback in terms of how I'm presenting myself, what I need to improve on where I could be better and, you know, honest opinions, if they don't think something is right that I might be doing. And I just, and I appreciate that.
1: All right. So you kind of already went there, but I think in the spirit of,
0: okay, give me three words to describe Barry Fowler. Three words to describe me. Risky driven leader.
1: All right, let's touch on the last one first. You know, and maybe we should, maybe I should have done a better job. I need yours. I need yours. I need your three. Oh, oh, wait. Wait, this is the conversation part? Yeah, this is, of course. Uh So I'll explain mine after you explain your three. Part of me is like, wait, I'm asking the questions, but you're right. Okay, (laughs) let me. um, I think my three are curious, relentless, and fun loving okay i think those are my three i mean i'm i know you didn't ask me to go deeper but like I we're here for a short period of time i'm have a good time yeah you know uh i like people like i genuinely am curious you know like i'm a story guy i'm a storyteller i'm a story maker i want to i want to consume great stories i study story uh every single one of us has a story. Like, I want to know like how the heck did Benny Fowler go from Beverly Hills, Michigan to the NFL? Like, I want to know (laughs) how that happened. I mean, you grew up in a sports family, but I also, I like the second story of, and this is the part I felt like I didn't set up great. Like Ken law, our buddy thought we'd get along because of our love of leadership. Like our love of, of, of being risky, like you said, but in business and growing new businesses and growing teams and, and bringing clarity. So I think that's why, you know, let's, we'll work backwards from that because I feel like some people know Benny Fowler, they, the, they think they know you from the NFL. They don't really know mm-hmm. you, but they think they know you. But like what you're doing now and your passion, do you feel like you have, like, so why don't you kind of explain what you're doing now? We'll go back to the NFL, but I guess I'm curious, do you have the same tenacity or like grits or whatever it takes mentality in the leadership arena than you did in the arena arena. And again, maybe first set it up by
0: what are you doing now? Like get, get, get people caught up to speed. Yeah. So I, I would, I would call myself a strategic advisor and it really just depends on who I'm talking to and what they want to know and, where and how can them win. So yes, I do feel like I'm in, and have the same intensity and focus in terms of what I'm doing. Um, I've partnered with a financial firm based out of Michigan called Podium. Um, That is to help athletes, entrepreneurs, and small business owners understand their strategic financial plan. So they're not worrying about where money is going to be coming from in their later years. One of the number one fears of pre-retirees is are they gonna outlive their money? So how do we put people in a position to win? And we don't wanna manage their money We want to come up with a strategic plan of where and how can you do the things that you want to do? How do you maintain your quality of life while you're on this earth? My, my other business porticle, we help business owners grow their revenue and profit three to 10 times EBITDA. That is just like building an NFL team. That's like growing an NFL team to a championship level. The way we do that is three ways. We do that through a culture of performance not just a culture, but a culture of performance, the systems and processes to scale. As you're getting to that 1 million mark, as you're getting to that 5 million mark or that 5 to 20 million, 20 million to 30 million, 50 million, if you don't have the proper structure and systems in place, it will break as you're trying to grow. And then how do you develop that next generation of leaders within your company so you can step out of the day-to-day of the business and really work on where the business is going to be in the next five, 10, 20 years. And that is basically how all NFL teams, I mean, there's a draft every single year. There's free agency. How do you put all these right people in the right seats to achieve what you see as the CEO and leader of the, these teams and these organizations? And, and And that's what I love about leadership. Is because, yeah, you can have all the knowledge and read all of the different books, but are you putting it into place? Or are you just saying the quote? How are you actually showing up as a leader? And I know that's what you do. And I'd be curious to just hear from you in terms of why do you love what you do?
1: Well, I think when you get the right leader, and there's a lot in that little bit right there, right? Yeah when you get a willing leader who is open to feedback, you know, you would think a guy that had a show about courage, that my favorite word in the dictionary would be courageous. It's not, my favorite word is willing. I love the word willing. It is, that is my, you know, you talked about your company's podium. That is a podium, that is a podium word for me, right? Because I think if you're willing, it means you're open to hearing another point of view. And then the double entendre, right? If you make a decision, we're going to will this thing through. We're going to see it through. So I, I love leadership because when, I, when I'm working with the right partner, because I can help them get clear. And if you're, if you can't get clear, you're not going to create belief. And no one knows that like you, you've been in some serious locker rooms, right? And I was smiling when you were talking about your business, because if, if I would have like blindfolded the audience spun them around six times, chopped off the front of the episode and they just sort of swooped in. I don't think they would have assumed this was a player who did eight years in the NFL and thank goodness you were an economics major <laughs> at, at Michigan State. How, how serious were you in the, in the classroom? Like, Did you go for football or did you, did you know you were going to figure out a way to do everything?
0: No, I went no, education was always one of the most important things. I wanted to be a communications major. My mom thought it would be a basket weaving major. She thought I was just going to basically just go through the motions. With with, I, with with what I do now, communications definitely would have been very beneficial. I think a lot of business experience can be taught through school, but I also think it's taught more through actually trial and error going out there, seeing different things and learning from people who have already done it or seen these scenarios and situations. So I think there's, it's a give and take. But, you know, when I was at, when I was in school, I was more intrigued and I still am super intrigued in terms of personal development, leadership development. Running a business in terms of the systems and things that you need to do to scale are simple Characteristics are simple things that you can implement. But in terms of actually growing a business and actually yeah, building one and growing one is one of the hardest things that people will ever, especially if they're a founder. And, and I just think that I'm just super intrigued by people's stories, the, the mindset, because that's the thing, the only thing that gets it in the way are, are are us as people and conflict and how do we handle that or being afraid to share something or not having the mindset to continue to keep going, especially as a, as a startup or being a founder of a company, you know, trying to get it off the ground, bootstrapping it. Those are the, some of the hardest days that people will, they'll just give up. And how do people get past that? Or how do these stories continue to inspire you? I know that you have an incredible story and and the stories probably inspire you to just keep going.
1: To me, my, every hurdle I ever, sort of stumbled into was a opportunity to build the muscle of the mindset. That's all It's all it was. It's like taking your mind to the gym. And like are you yeah. gonna are you gonna are you gonna lift those those weights or not? Are you gonna go for it or not? Uh by the way, your mom completely just put me in the basket weaving camp. Like, <laughs> come on, mom. Like I was a kid I turned out okay as a communications major. Uh, but I got to tell you.
0: I think she, she well, she, uh, we already had the conversation and discussion. And she was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> well,
1: again, you, that, t- you, you turned out all right too. I think,
0: <laughs> no? Right.
1: Decent. I mean, so you come out undrafted uh, back then. And we're going to do this. We're going to do this all day, all hour. We're going to toggle between the two yeah. worlds. You come out undrafted, like, I mean, back then, ego has to play a little bit, right? Like, I mean, are you like, what? And like, does that really just happen? Like, did you think you were going to get drafted? Obviously, Denver takes a shot on you. you. I think you're a practice squad, year one. Like, first, talk me through how you're feeling
0: on draft day and just take it from there. Yeah, I think – Definitely ego played a part in it. Definitely thought I was going to get drafted, especially the season that we came off of at Michigan state, winning the 100th Rose bowl, went 13 and one only big 10 team in history to every went to win every big 10 game that year by 10 or more points. It's like, how do I not get drafted even in the later rounds? And I, I thought I would be projected, you know, five to seven rounds and get drafted in one of those later rounds. But you know, it was just a, yeah, it was a tough moment. You think that you're going to hear your name called and you put in all this work, you get invited to the combine and then you don't get drafted. And, you know, my dad, you know, at that moment in time was sitting right next to me and he said, you can either look at the fact that you didn't get drafted or you can look at the 20 teams that are calling you right now. And that quickly shifted me and my mindset into a different perspective of, okay, now let's look at what's possible, what teams are calling. Let's do the research on the teams and who has, a, who has a history of playing undrafted player. And where can I actually learn the most, the quickest? And that was Denver. Denver was the second team that offered me the most money. And Detroit Lions offered me the, the most amount. But I was like, you know what? Let me go outside of my comfort zone. I'm choosing Denver. If I can play with paid Manning, I can play. And if I get on his good side, I'll be good forever. And then here we are, you know, eight years later playing in in, in the NFL. And that's, you know, I, it's because of the decision I made to, to leave, do uh, zone, leave Michigan. But it was also a testament to, you know, you tell you surround yourself with the right people. And my dad being in that moment and helping me understand like, hey, what are you looking at? Are you looking at the positives? Or are you looking at all the things that are wrong right now? And that's what helped the ego shift. He can't help it on mentality, can he? <laughs> no, I mean when you're when you're running a global organization like Ford Motor Company, you have to what's important now and thinking correctly under pressure. Pressure is something that he he lives by.
1: So you get to Denver when you're in that environment. Are you know? I was this is a show about courage and like there's a lot of fear. There's a famous proverb that fear and courage are brothers. And it is does fear help you? Or is it like I can't I can't worry about that. I gotta go across the middle, I gotta zip across the middle, I gotta like I gotta do what I'm supposed to do and prove that I, I can I can be a value to this team. Like, but were you ever afraid
0: of the NFL? Were you afraid to go across the middle? Absolutely. Every single day. There's fear every day. You play at the highest level, your money's not guaranteed, you can't really afford to mess up. So, yeah, there's always going to be some fear and nervousness, but that's also because you you want to do well. You're excited. So how do you have that shift in perspective? You know, you're not in fear of like your life, maybe your livelihood. But and, you know, if you know and you believe in yourself, I think that's where the fear you can help the fear. There's your preparation level. And I think there have been times where the fear hasn't been as big because I was super prepared. And I prepared myself for all the things. Now, there are always going to be some things that you don't have the answers to and you're not going to be ready for. But that is one of the things that has helped me overcome those fears. And just how do you how are you present? But how are you prepared? Presence and preparedness. Um, I'd be curious to see, you know, what what has what fears have you had? How Have you handled those things and the fears that you've seen in leaders? How do you have how have you coached them around that? Yeah, I,
1: I always start an engagement asking one simple question. Are you stuck? Are you stale? Are you scared or are you spinning? So every single time I start my process of working with somebody cuz I you need courage for any one of these four. Are you stuck? Hey, stuck is a temporary moment, right? Stale, We've got a problem, right? That there's probably something you haven't addressed, and so that's stuck, perpetuated. Scared, I think, is being human. Uh, it's just being human. Like that's just our standard operating system and spinning, spinning. There's it might be a legitimate problem that you need talent and expertise to come in and help you come in and help you do what you need to do and shrink down whatever that fear is. Uh, So I always start there. I always start with like, if I can get an honest answer out of a leader that I know we're on on the right path. And usually usually it's somebody's stuck or somebody's scared, you know? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're both. They don't want to admit one or the other. Uh, But I am totally of the camp that a lot of the work that we're doing is getting you hyper aware of what matters most or getting you prepared for the stresses and speed of life and business and that's all the work we're doing with our leaders so you're resonating with me on like preparation i imagine nothing would bother a Peyton manning more than having a receiver who wasn't <laughs> prepared like how i put it back on you yeah right? but but was there a moment in the nfl where you're like this is it i i belong i i i you felt like there was a specific moment
0: Uh, I mean, I would say just as I, throughout my first year, as this, I was, as I was going throughout my first year and I was playing to get some of the defensive backs and training camp, you just like, okay, I've gotten open on this guy. He's at the top. He's in year 10. I can do this. Um, and I think that's one of the things that has helped me, and it's also helped me shape other leaders in, in today's world, is that wherever you are right now is, is where you're meant to be. Like, you don't get put in these positions. I'm a believer in God. So you don't get put in these positions if, you, if he doesn't think you're capable. Um, and I think that's one of the things is that I had to recognize and become even more self-aware of, like, what do I do really well? And, you know, what do I do better than anybody else on this team? And, you know, I can get to point A to point B fast. I can understand the playbook and I can play all three positions. That's the reason why I was prepared to play with Peyton and end up catching his last pass. It was more about trust than anything. Um, So I would say those moments. And, you know, once you go into that locker room after 30, 40 days, you know you belong. When the guys start talking to you or those coaches start talking to you like, They've done their research on you. They, they're they investing in you.
1: So, again, I don't want this whole episode to be about the NFL, right? But you, you did <laughs> catch Peyton's, I think, last pass which is a two-point conversion in the Super Bowl. Uh, You're Super Bowl champ. By the way, did you win your Super Bowl first year or second year?
0: Second year. Were you just like, oh, this is so easy. Every other year, I'm going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's what I really thought. I honestly <laughs> thought that. <laughs> and, then Pey- and then Peyton retired. <laughs>
1: Uh, I think, but okay. But Peyton's a great leader. And so, you know, you have this great, you've got, you've had like these ultimate like amazing rocks in your life. Like your father, you know, and I imagine your mom, you learn leadership from your mom Then you go into these locker rooms, you meet somebody like a Peyton. What, what like intrigued you by the, especially like, like breeze. Was he a leader? Like, I'm sure he was a leader, but like, what did you learn from, from these guys that you could share that would like work in our world down here?
0: <laughs> well, we're all in the same world building a business and, 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 a fo- and what a football team is, is our, is literally the same thing. You have your head coach Well, you got your owner, you got your general manager, you got your front office staff, you have your, your coach who is basically running this team. Who's like your, your head of sales, your, you know, and then you have these players. And if you look at these players, there's a whole bunch of entrepreneurs looking for an investment from that owner. And I think that's one of the most important things for people to understand that's how the, 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 the parallels from sports to business. But when I think about my dad, I think about the, the Paytons and the Eli's and the Drew Brees of the world, the thing, even my mom and brother and fiance, you know, just give everybody their kudos right now. But one of the things from, from those three quarterbacks that I played with is they're, they're, they're super consistent. They're not up and down people. What you see is what you get in terms of how they conduct themselves on the meeting, how they prepare. It's the same. You, you don't see it like, okay, I've played really well. Now I'm going to go above and beyond and we are, we lost. And now I'm down in the dumps. You know, all those guys were the same. They handled things the same. They were vulnerable leaders. Hey, I don't know the answer to that. I will find the answer. They didn't try to act like they knew everything. And a lot of those guys, and they also had fun. Team dinners, functions, different team-building activities away from football is what I think they did really well in their awesome dads.
1: I mean, there's so many good little magical moments in there, right? And, you know, I want to hold on this, but I'm going to ask you later, you know, for anyone who's listening, what are the takeaways? Like, what are the, if you add like, let's not do this yet, but like <laughs> start, start, start marinating on like, what what do you think the three lessons are from the experiment of life that you've had? And where I really want to get to now is this life after the NFL, you know, you, 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 you're basically, you basically love leadership. Like I love leadership. You've, you've written a book about this called about your life called silver spoon. Um, for, for people that don't know about the book, how would you describe – why would you write it, first of all, and how would you describe it?
0: Well, I wrote it because there was a dish of time where I was coming out of – I was coming off of Denver, my four years in Denver, hitting ready, getting ready to hit free agency. So the Chicago Bears came calling, and I was like, all right, this, this is the team I'm going to. So I'm now I moved to Chicago. I'm now living – and playing in the city that my mom is already in. So everything seems like it's coming together. We get to the entertaining camp, and I get a call from Ryan Pace, the GM of the Bears, and he said, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to let you go. And that at that time, I had not been cut in the NFL. So it's four years of, of winning a Super Bowl, playing at the highest level. Things are going really well, and I just got cut for the, the first team I just went to. And it just rocked my world. My now fiance, I asked her to move out there with me and now i'm showing this is what life is like i'm cut i don't know where my income is coming and it's like okay like if the nfl doesn't come calling back what am i going to do and that's where i had the idea to write my book silver spoon the imperfect guide to success because i i had already had so many unique experiences that i feel like people would relate to and could understand i have also had great friends that didn't grow up how I grew up. I grew up in the suburbs and everybody in the suburbs feels that you have everything handed to you. And I want to make sure that that wasn't the case when I told my story because I don't have that typical athlete story. I come from a a very good background, a humble background, but a a very good one in terms of I had both my parents in my life. I I went to private school and my, my parents really invested in myself and my siblings. So I wanted people to understand that. And that's why I wrote the book and, and here we are. And I think it's, you know, to help people understand you got the same 24 hours, no matter where you come from, how are you going to maximize your time? And then for the kids out there, it's a, a chapter in there that you don't have to be an athlete to make a million dollars. You know, the richest people and the most wealthy people I know are not athletes. And I think that's unique for them to understand. So you don't have to just always pick the, the, the athlete path, even though it is a fun one.
1: I mean we're kind of glazing over I think one of the harder questions I might ask you which is how hard was it for you to write a book like honestly what was that like like what was your was it easy for you was the I mean cuz I do it too now you know I talk about my book and when I when you're in it it's you don't know where it's going. Like I didn't know where my book was going. It was, I describe it like a documentary and I got to sit with all these really smart people, but then you're trying to connect the dots of what you learned from someone at Apple and then this person over here at Amazon and here's how Harvard's doing. And then this Virgin galactic astronauts thinking this, was it something that you could, for me, it was hard, I guess. I'm putting my, my stuff on you basically. Mm-hmm. Was it a, a month long process? Was it six months?
0: I um, about a year and a half, two years. It was long. Yeah. It was long. Um, and for this, the many reasons that you just pointed out, I didn't know where it was going. I had a lot of imposter syndrome around it. Like, you know, all right, that sounded like a good chapter, but like, who am I to write this? Like I'm not the patent of the world. And yeah, you know, I'm not these, all these people who write these books. And then, you know, just that toggle back and forth in your mind of like, is this going to resonate? Like, can I do this? Can I say this? And like, you know, having people coach me around and like, Hey, this is yours. And even if it only impacts one life, that's all that matters. And I think that's what pushed me through, but no, it took, it took a while cause I was still playing. You know, I had the ideas for the chapters um, that came pretty quickly, but then getting, you know, the, the words on paper and making sure it's, it was succinct, and making sure the message was done the right way, I think was one of the most important things.
1: Yeah, no, I, that, that really, this is where I wish there was video so people could see. I'm not in the long here. Yeah. I, I, I that one person, like that. If, even if it changes one person's life, I didn't go into it this way, but I realized it, it was going to, it changed my life. Like I wrote my book cause I needed the book. I was the first one that needed the book. And I could tell you that imposter syndrome was real. I had my own stuff I had to work through. Uh, I will tell you, it's funny, like there's these like little moments still from the book that I remember and still show up in talks in my, with my business. And one of them was when I had enough, I was like 20% through, I was like, there's something here. And I remember posting on Facebook that I'm writing a book about courage and I call it now. I call that stated and create it. Like, don't keep it inside. Stated and yeah, create it, right? Love it. And, you know, you stated and create it, good things happen. And, and the funny thing is, I think I, I didn't post it for two reasons. One, the imposter syndrome for a long time, right? I'm not good enough. Someone's going to come at me. I wasn't ready. And then two, I thought someone's gonna steal my idea. I don't want anyone to steal my baby of an idea. And what happened obviously was the book got better. People were like, oh my gosh, I love this topic. You need to talk to this person from this business. Hey, do you know this person I can connect you? And I, it's almost sad that where my my standard operating system went first, and I don't think this is just me, was fear and negativity when people wanna help. People want to opt in, especially if the purpose is pure and it's good, then the right people step up and like, oh, you need to talk to this person. You got to talk to that person. Did you have any of that with your book?
0: Yeah, I think, well, I I added all friends to my book, uh, you know, because they all come from different backgrounds than mine and I wanted people to see different perspectives of, certain people that I had for certain titles. And it was awesome when I reached out to them and they would say, yes, but I know, you know, definitely in your mind, in my mind, in everybody's mind, well, we don't have it strategically all figured out. Our brain fills it in with negativity. And that's just one of the things like, even when you're having a tough conversation with a, a coworker or an employee when you don't understand where they're coming from or why they're, why they're saying what they're saying, your brain will fill it in as, you know, a negative thing to protect you and to protect us. And I think our brains were trying to protect us, but you know, that's one of the things where you have a coach or you have a strategic guide of how you're going to to write this book or do anything incredible, because it is scary when you don't have all the answers of how it's going to be received or who's going to read it or, you know, it's just, it's so many different things, but, I, I heard a, a Les Brown quote and I'm, I'm not going to be able to say the whole thing, but the richest places is, is, the, is the graveyard. You know, it, it's full of ideas and books and movies and things that were never written or never said. And we don't want to go to the graveyard with those regrets. Oh yeah. You're speaking my song now. Right?
1: Courage of regret insurance. Like that is a Ryan Bermanism that I love to say. Okay, I love cool. that you know, but it's true. Uh, So let's get into MVP leadership because, you know, I, I I have a small secret, you know, for being a creative guy, I love systems. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a lover of systems. I I like process. I think, I think process gives us the tools we need to get to that magic. And so you've got a little bit of that with MVP leadership. First of all, is that what you call the the business? Is that the process?
0: Is that just the idea? No, that's the process of, of the leadership business in our in Portugal is MVP leadership, mindset, vision, performance, and then the leadership components, the competencies that every leader needs to have. But it starts with the mind, the mind is something that you're gonna take with you everywhere, you have to believe in yourself. You have to believe in what you're doing. You have to understand and create that, that resilience and that willpower to do incredible things. And you have to have that vision and that clarity for where you're going. What's that roadmap to get there and understanding that there will be turns and, you know, different things and different uh, roadblocks along the way, but having that vision of where you want to go, where do you want to be five to 10 years out? And then where do you want to strategically focus the next six to 12 months to achieve that. And then performance, what are the goals that you need to hit? What are the milestones that you need to hit? Who's doing what, by when, where, roles and goals? What what are we doing? How are we measuring these things? You cannot change. You cannot change what you don't measure. And then that leadership piece, leadership is a small word for such a big job. And you need the mindset, you need the vision, you need the performance um, to to be an incredible leader,
1: oh, man. I I love that. I just I just think it's it makes it's clear. It makes sense. I like what you did there with the sports with the MVP. That's nice. When when did you like?
0: When did you come up with it? I think it's, it's. I would probably say I came up with that maybe like a year ago, um, and trying to figure out how to separate myself within the marketplace, but then also stay true to myself and not try to be like, you know, another business person in terms of what the process that they've created, but what resonates most with me and sports has been my entire life. So why would I try to go away from that? And I've played with Peyton has five regular season MVPs. Eli has two Super Bowl MVPs. Drew Brees has a a most valuable player. But I think we're all most valuable players. You have to be the most valuable player. And you have to see yourself as an MVP. You don't that doesn't mean you have to be egotistic that i mean that doesn't mean you're better than anybody else but you have to see yourself as the most valuable player in the role that you have in life and your relationships are on the team that you are in and how would you this, con- how, yeah this
1: this this may be the zinger of questions <laughs> well you tell me what what's the most courageous thing you're working on now
0: I would say that, I mean, we haven't really, I haven't really announced it yet, but it will be to raise a hundred million dollars to put into companies and help them from a growth equity standpoint. I don't want to do private equity, but surrounding myself with the right people and then going out there and asking for that money to deploy into companies, help them grow their revenue and profit three to 10 times and really empower business owners to achieve what they want to achieve. That's going to be scary to get in front of these family offices in front of these right people to ask for that money. Um, and then also getting the investment thesis down to where we can show the uh, ROI on the capital that we're raising.
1: You heard it here first at the Courageous Podcast, the co partnership of Benny Fowler and Ryan Berman raising a hundred million dollars together. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it.
0: Let's
1: do it. <laughs> and we're Let's gonna go help it. we're gonna go help some businesses. All right. For those those who've who been listening, what what are like what are the three lessons? Like give, give them 'em three takeaways from this conversation.
0: The biggest room in the world is room for improvement. Mm, I think that's the biggest room in the world is room for improvement. We're always constant. We have the, we can improve. We can do so many things better. Um, There is no such thing as work-life balance. It's more of equilibrium. There'll be times there are ebbs and flows, but the whole work-life balance thing is kind of a myth to me, I believe in terms of like, there are times where you have, there's these seasons, you know, there's an NFL season. That's, you know, that's seven months of dedicated time. And then there's an off season. How do you separate? Or how do people, including myself, put and make life like that? Like, hey, you know, these next couple months, I'm 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 focused and I'm and I'm detailed oriented, and I don't have any time, or I have to sacrifice, and then letting your significant other know, or people around you, like the next month after that, you know, I have a I'll have a couple weeks where things aren't as serious, and how do we let people know around us of these ebbs and flows? you know, it's going to make us be more intentional. And then the the last thing would be, you have to go through it to get to it. There is no such thing as like the perfect path. There is no such thing as the perfect leader, but there are going to be uncomfortable things and situations that we're all going to be in um, trials and tribulations. And how do you surround yourself with the right people to go through those things? But putting yourself in uncomfortable situations. Even if you've done incredible things, what's the one thing that you're avoiding? What's the one conversation you're avoiding? What's the one thing that you need to do to get better and grow?
1: I love these. I always like to say, what's in the way is the way.
0: Okay. I which, love is the that. Same,
1: which is the same thing, right? It's, but this, So I love these three. I want to make sure I nail this. So the biggest room in the world is room for improvement that was one two is no such thing as work-life balance it's it's about more like equilibrium is that how you describe it yeah
0: equilibrium yep
1: and three you got to go through it to get to it Yep. oh i'm ready i'm like ready to run through a wall let's go run through a wall what let's go what, what are your what are your three takeaways from the conversation um one is open-mindedness always wins you know, I'm just going to yeah, I'm going visceral here, right? So open, uh, even you, like the way you ask questions back, you're, it's hard to, to see things turn into pen. It's always pencil, right? And you're working on making it a little bit better. Nothing's like set in stone and ink. Um, two is probably, I mean, good news and bad news is you're never fully defined. You're not going to be defined in, as an NFL player. You're going to, you know, you're more than that. You're also not going to be defined as just someone that's written a book. You're more than that. You're not going to be defined as someone that's just doing leadership. You're more than that. It's, it's almost like a constant evolution in my opinion. And then three, it's not how you start. It's not even how you finish. Just enjoy the ride. Right? Like, like, you know, if you set an expectation for yourself from the beginning, well, you've just limited what's possible and so and and by the way if you wait to the end you're gonna miss the good stuff in the middle so i like how you talked about uh you know draymond and peyton two really different personalities but you you describe both of them as as fun like they want to have a good time right they want to laugh and and um and so i think maybe get to getting to happy is enjoying the ride and having fun and enjoying the journey love it dude this is a good start all right, I'm com- I'm coming to you. We're gonna talk about this business. I'll see you in Beverly Hills, California, right?
0: Yeah, that- I'm, just- I'm either coming to San Diego or Denver.
1: Oh, that's right, you're out here now, even better. Yeah. All right, we will figure that out for real. And Benny Fowler, you're the man, I'm so glad Ken Locke connected us. And um, hey, mark my words, listeners, Benny and I, we're gonna figure out something to do together, even if it's, all right. Speaker series. We're going to figure something out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks, Benny. Thanks.